You know, Jesus understood something that John said. He said, Christ must increase as I decrease. What is that? Seems like backwards to what we're used to hearing today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are discovering the Bible. And today we focus on John chapter three in about five minutes. It's gonna be very interesting. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? All right, well, during Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus in John three, Jesus refers to the bronze serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. Today, you and I are gonna turn back to Numbers 21 to see what in the world Jesus was talking about. Okay, very good. It's going to be very interesting. Janice? I want to talk about number one. All right, very good. And also later on in the program, we have Jess Canelon who is here and he's from Israel and uh, he's talking from Israel and it's going to be very good to talk to him about how he first went to Israel. But let's study and focus on John 3. John 3, 22-36 After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Enon and Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure." The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. John chapter 3 and chapter 4. John is a great gospel, you know. And God perfectly knows who we are, how we are deficient, and what we need. And He loves us and provides for us anyway. (laughs) 
And there is no question that we must deflate our egos in the presence of God. Jesus must be recognized as infinitely greater than we are. It is the Lord who deserves our highest praise, our highest honor and glory. He is the one we must seek to follow with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We must yield our humanness to the holiness of God as we learn to follow and become more like him. Well, John the Baptist understood that. And after a dispute between his disciples and the Jews about purification, he explained his relationship with Jesus Christ this way. He said, quote, he must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth, but he comes from heaven and is above all. John chapter three, verse 30 to 31. Now our lives are about the Lord Jesus Christ. May he be above all in our daily walk with him. And my question is for all of us, is Jesus Christ first in your life? Is Jesus Christ first in my life? Do I seek the Lord today? That's a really good question. Do we seek the Lord today? Well, we need to ask that. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage with me as we study John 3, 22 to 36, Jesus above all. And uh, if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can get your Bible guide by writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And uh, it takes you to a donate page. And after the donation, it takes you to a page where you can download it, PDF file as it's printed. So I want to encourage you. And by the way, thank you so much for your donations and your help. They tremendously help us. And that's all I say about it, because I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So thank you for supporting us. As we continue on, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray today that we would hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. Because sometimes, Lord, we read your Bible, but we're not listening. There are things occupying our mind and we're just reading it. Help us to hear your word today. We need to hear you. Thank you, Father, for showing us that, teaching us that. You are the best. You are the greatest. And we give all our glory and our honor and everything goes to you. This is your program. So help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. In that name, and we said together, amen and amen. Well, let's look at this. Amen, by the way, means make it so. Let's look at this. John 3, 22. Here's what the Bible says. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing men in Aneon near Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who has or was with you, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Now John answered and said, 
A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. What an amazing statement. John understood that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. Keeping our mind on Jesus Christ and his way is the way we succeed. I know there's a lot of people who don't believe me. There's a lot of people who say, well, wait a minute, Rod. I have to build myself up and stay positive and use the word challenge every time there's a problem. Regardless of how we talk or how we hear, if we are Christian, if we've given our life to Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ must increase and our own ideas and personal thoughts must decrease. Because let me tell you something. The way God thinks about your business, the way God thinks about your work, the way God thinks about rest and play is better than the way we can think. Because God comes into our life and the Holy Spirit infuses us with his presence. So important. John 3.31, he who comes from above is, all, is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Look at that. Jesus Christ came from God and is God. We are God's people and we serve him. Beloved, listen carefully. If we are Christian, if we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we belong to the Lord. I like to say, I don't have a free will anymore. I gave my free will up when I gave my being to God. I pray before I do anything. I try to. And that's important for us to remember, beloved. It's not about us and making our decisions. It's about making the right decisions according to the Lord. That's what it's about. Very interesting. Well, let's go back to the scripture because this is fascinating. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Very important. Listen, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. And he believes, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Now, let me tell you something very important. It is only through Jesus that we can be set free from God's judgment against sin. We must surrender our life to Christ and let him take control of all that we are and all that we do. Beloved, God is the one. Jesus Christ is the one who makes us right with God. 
And if you want to know Jesus, pray today and say, Jesus, I need to know you. Be the Lord of my life. And I believe you died on the cross and rose again. Help me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Our assigned reading today is John chapters 3 and 4, and I'm focused on chapter 3, where Jesus is having a conversation with a very high-profile Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Jesus basically gives him the gospel message. But in verse 14, Jesus explains that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, Jesus here is referring back to the events recorded in Numbers 21, where the Israelites were dying from venomous snake bites, and so God had Moses create a bronze serpent so that the Israelites could look upon it and be made well. So my segment today documents this event and also shows how this story may have influenced other mythologies. Check it out. For the wilderness-wandering Israelites, it had already been a long and arduous journey. But now they would have to travel from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea in order to go around Edom. The desert dwellers had had enough, and they complained against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. In response, the Lord sends fiery serpents among the people, and they bite them, and many of the Israelites die. These fiery serpents were venomous snakes with burning lethal bites, which quickly brought the Israelites unto repentance, and God, in his mercy, told Moses to mold a bronze likeness of a snake and place it on a pole so that anyone who looked on it would live. Curiously, this very real historical event recorded in the Bible may have actually influenced later mythologies. For example, the ancient Greco-Roman god of medicine is portrayed with a serpent-entwined rod, and the Greco-Roman god of commerce is portrayed with a double serpent-entwined rod. Interestingly, both of these serpent motifs are commonly used today to symbolize the practice and profession of medicine, though use of the double serpent symbol, called the caduceus, is considered by many to be very inappropriate because of its association with the god of commerce, who is also known as the patron of lies, gamblers, and thieves, not to mention a conductor of souls into the afterlife. As Stuart L. Tyson quipped, as conductor of the dead to their subterranean abode, his emblem would seem more appropriate on a hearse than on a physician's car. Nevertheless, these emblems, or at least the single serpent emblem, seems to originate with Moses' bronze serpent. Another possible throwback to this biblical event is the Festival of Serpents. Each year around the beginning of August, the Festival of Serpents takes place in many regions of India. On that day, so say the devotees, cobras will not bite. Live cobras or their images are worshipped and handled. Snake worshippers also ritually feed sacred cobras reared in special shrines, and even leave out milk as an offering to wild cobras. Of course, the true significance of the Israelites' bronze snake is that the enemy threat had been nullified. Ancient custom dictated that when a bitter enemy was killed, his head was severed from his body 
and put on a pole to show his utter defeat. Thus the snake was lifted, signifying the enemy was rendered powerless. Jesus likens this incident to his own crucifixion. Satan thought his enemy was forever defeated, but then came the resurrection. You know, it's very, very fitting that the image of a snake was erected on a pole since that enemy of the Israelites had been rendered powerless by God. Similarly, Jesus would be erected on a cross many years later, and Satan may have thought he had him defeated. But, of course, Jesus Christ conquered death and rose from the grave on the third day. And just as the ancient Israelites looked to the bronze snake and lived, so we too can look to Christ and live. Because he arose, we will too. So make sure to look to Jesus. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Yes, and, and that he came to give us life more abundantly. Uh, and the enemy came to destroy our lives or mess us up. And that's very, very important. Janice? You're right, Ryan. The only way, the only truth, the only life. And that's through Jesus. And that's exactly John the Baptist's message as well. And that's where I was going today when I titled it number one. Because John the Baptist knew that he was not number one, Jesus was. And he was always ready to tell that. He was always ready to exalt Christ and not himself. You know, his disciples and some of the Jews were having a dispute. It was a big argument, I can only imagine. Uh, it was about the purification. And John just sort of, he didn't give attention to that. What he did give attention to was to Christ. He really downplayed the concerns of, of his disciples and he pointed to the Lord and he even said, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And then he goes on to exalt who Jesus Christ actually was. And he was always doing that. Do we do that as Jesus followers? Are we always ready to tell our testimony to uplift the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in us, in us, because we're not perfect. We never will be perfect. And any good that you see in any of us here on the program doesn't come from us, but it's the goodness of God through us. And that's what we hope that you see, that you're not distracted by who we are as people. Never think that, oh, Janice is this, or Janice is that, or she doesn't do this, or she doesn't do that, or I wish I was like her, or I wish I wasn't. Don't do that. Put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and seek after him. Because when we seek after God and his righteousness, all the other things that we think about, God says, don't worry about those things. You seek after me and be ready. Be ready like John was. Don't worry about the arguments and the things going on in this world, but focus your attention on the Lord. And when you're given the opportunity, always lead, lead by the love of Christ in, in the activities that you're in, in the discussions that you get in, and, um, and let God lead. And he's given us the example of his life yes, uh, so that we can lead. And I think that's very, very important. But uh, we, we recognize that it's God. Well, that it is. is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because it's, it's in the, it, the difficult times. It's easy to be all happy and praise the Lord when things are good, but it's a very different walk. And we really have to draw on the strength of God to be our joy in those times. Absolutely. Because you know? we're just people. We're all just That's people. exactly right. We're just people. And uh, keep that in mind. Well, we have somebody here. We have a is, people. He is mm -hmm. a great person. <laughs> Uh, son of Jim Canelon, second son. And this is important because Ryan produces his program. His program is called This is Israel. We just launched. We just started it. 
and we're very excited about it. If you're a station and you want to you want to air the program, then contact me because uh, I, it's really important. Uh, th- this is a really good one. This is Israel. And his name is Jess Canelon. He's from Israel right now. Uh, Jess, how are you doing? Hey, good to be here. I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm, I am a people. And I'm happy. <laughs> a very I'm important happy people. people. Yes. Uh, people, uh, people speaking from Israel. Yeah, no, yes, that's uh, right. And, and where, where are you from? You're just n- near the Sea of Galilee right now, right? Oh, yeah, just just south of the Sea of Galilee. It's a uh, you know, if you've never been to Israel, it's it's got to be the, the 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 place you have to visit. And, you know, this is where Jesus hung out most of the time. He only went to Jerusalem for work. That's what they say. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he lived here. He, this was his scenery. These were his people. It's kind of a slower pace of life. Uh, Flip flops are a requirement. Uh, and it's uh, it's just gorgeous. It's uh, it's almost if you could imagine a. Um, a, a, a big crater and that's where the big sea of Galilee is. And that's about a lake, maybe the size of, uh, Oh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's not as large of any of, as any of the great lakes. It's, uh, I mean, Israel fits into the great lake. So that gives you some perspective. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a medium sized lake, but all surrounding this lake are mountains, mountains to the East mountains to the West. And those mountains go all the way down South uh, and the Jordan, flows from the from the uh, Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea uh, in between that great rift valley. So it's it's a quite a quite a beautiful uh, uh, landscape uh, if you can just imagine it mountains everywhere. Yeah, that's it's really interesting and uh, when I first went to Israel it was your dad it was 1991 and and uh, how old were you in 1991 Jess? Oh, is this a math test? Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Ah, let's see. 91. Uh, I was born in uh, 76. So you do the math. Okay. Uh, I would have been about 15, 15, 16. Very good. And I said to Jim, because I was like in my early 30s and I said to Jim, uh, first time to Israel, I said, I'll meet you there. And Jim said to me, I'll take you through Jerusalem and I'll give you a tour of Israel. It was an amazing time. And uh, Israel is so fascinating. It is a brilliant piece of property. And uh, the Lord just really has uh, chosen that nation. It's really, really interesting. And Jess, uh, you first went there when you were, what, three years old? And t- you turned four on the plane over there. Was that? Oh, my. This is the, the math is a bit off, but uh, no, <laughs> I was five. I had my fifth birthday on the plane. Uh, and it was in the days where people weren't worried so so much about security. So uh, I turned five on the plane. There was a the whole plane saying happy birthday to me in Hebrew. Uh, it's it's called Hayom Yom Huledet. And uh, and then, you know, they brought me, I remember, a green icing cake uh, with candles lit on the plane, believe it or not. And then I was escorted up to the top of the 747 jet, and I was able to sit and grab controls of the 747 uh, with the pilot. It was, uh, you know, something that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. And your brother was with you and your sister. So what's their names? Uh, I have an older brother named Todd and I have a younger sister named Kate. Uh, Todd lives in the Guelph area. Kate lives down in Texas, close to Dallas. And, uh, you know, they, they both grew up in Israel with me together. My, uh, my brother was a bit uh, ahead of us. So he really dove deep into the Hebrew language. I did as well. Uh, my sister was 
you know, quite a bit younger, but, you know, we all still know how to speak Hebrew. We know how to read it, write it, understand it. Um, you know, it's, it's when I go back and when I'm in Israel more often, like I am right now, that I start uh, dreaming in Hebrew again. And that's, uh, that's when I know I'm getting back into the groove. Oh, yeah, cool. that is amazing. Seven years, you were in Israel seven years, and then your dad was, uh, he came home. And then what happened then that you went back to Israel? Yeah, well, then I went back myself with my own little family, uh, you know, age 28 to 35. So I've been close to 14 years in Israel. And we, we went to go work at the church that my parents had planted. And uh, we worked with the young adults. We did uh, worship nights in clubs across the country. And just, uh, you know, just just invest, invest in the land, loving people. And uh, and just uh, it was a wonderful time, really wonderful time. Yeah, it's, it's a, really something because uh, you're involved again. Uh, and you're doing some amazing things with This Is Israel. What is the overall goal of that program, This Is Israel? It's a great program, by the way. You should watch it. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching me, uh, you, you need to take a look at it on, on Bible Discovery TV and you, at the stations. They need to get a hold of it. But what are, what are you trying to accomplish with This Is Israel? Well, Rod, I'm trying to accomplish what your reaction was uh, visiting it yourself. You visited Israel, and uh, it changed your perspective on scriptures and, uh, and on Jesus. And, uh, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being able to uh, fly over here. And, uh, but, you know, now with, uh, uh, with portable cameras, you can really can get behind the scenes and, uh, and do things that you wouldn't otherwise see, you know, with a big camera crew. And so uh, my goal is to try and make the Bible come to life uh, to, to your everyday uh, believer in Jesus who, you know, has that map in the back of his Bible, but doesn't quite know what it means, which way is up which way's down and how it all works. And uh, I try to make that come to life because I think it's important. You know, uh, Psalm 121 talks about um, uh, God's faithfulness to Israel. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where's my help come from? And uh, if you don't understand that there are mountains that literally form a spine from the north to the south in Israel, uh, and that as you're making pilgrimage to, is to Jerusalem, to where God lives, uh, you are looking up at the mountains the whole time. You're feeling vulnerable because you're in the valleys. You're feeling like, you know, you're exposed to the to the enemies, uh, enemies that you just spoke about in Psalm 120. And uh, and and so you, you just don't get that as you're reading the scriptures. You just don't understand. But when you go there, you see you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah, very good. Excellent. On the next program, we'll talk more about this and more about Israel. So stay there right now. Let's get back to the program. Thank you for joining us today. You've just read the prayers that people have sent in and it's been our delight to present them to you as we've already prayed for them. So pray with those people. Prayer is important. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30, we have a live prayer meeting on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Bible Discovery TV. Join us there as we pray for you. Today, let's pray and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, help me to hear you. Help me to hear your word and help me to apply your word in my heart. 
this day.